Are we witnessing in America uh, what can be called Sovietization? By Sovietization, I mean, is America in certain recognizable, unmistakable forms moving towards some of the policies and practices and cultural institutions that can be identified with the former Soviet Union? I think the answer to that question is yes, and I jotted down some specifics, several ways in which we are seeing, you can call it American Sovietization. Number one, the creation of a kind of elite class that is above the rules, to some degree above the laws, doesn't play by the same norms as everyone else. Now, in the Soviet Union, this was called the nomenklatura, the sort of privileged ruling class. We don't call it that in America, but we do have it. Think about the people who complain about walls, but live behind tall walls, complain about guns uh, and try to deprive other people of guns, but they've got private security, uh, complain about uh, entrepreneurs having tax breaks, but they get all kinds of tax breaks. They're always warning about insider trading, but they get all kinds of tips and they're allowed to do insider trading, even based upon uh, companies that will be affected by laws that they themselves pass. So we have an American nomenclatura. Point number two, the Soviet Union was famous for persecuting dissidents. And now we do that in this country, or at least the left does that, the Democrats do that. And going after dissidents, which is to say going after Trump, think about it. Uh, can you imagine in a, the, in a, in a democracy, the uh, ruling party, the Democrats are systematically in every possible way uh, going after the leader of the opposition party, and they're going to try to put him in jail one way or the other. And this is Soviet-style tactics. This is something that Lenin would have done. This is something that Stalin, in fact, did do. And usually with persecution of dissidents goes show trials. And that's what you have with January 6th. A show trial is a rigged trial, a trial in which you, first of all, punish the accused before the trial, that's happening with the January 6th defendants who are sitting in solitary confinement, even though some of them are not even charged with a violent offense. They're being tortured prior to the trial. And then uh, they're being offered these plea bargains, which is a form of legal bludgeoning. This, a plea bargain today is not an honest uh, trade. It's not something where you plead to something you actually did. It's essentially, if you don't plead, we will, we will put so many charges and penalties on you that you're facing the utter ruina ruination of your life, uh, the dissolution of your relationship with your family and so on. So show trials. Number three, censorship. Now, the censorship in America, I think, is uh, approaching the level of severity that we had in the Soviet Union, where only private jokes, Reagan was actually kind of an expert at uh, picking up and telling jokes that Soviet people told to themselves in private. But why in private? Because you couldn't say it at work. Uh, you couldn't say it in school. Teachers were being monitored. And so what you have here is um, a society full of taboos. And the taboos are, are essentially defined by the ideology of the ruling class. Number four, 
the militarization of society to intimidate the population. So think about it, for example, the tall fences, all the heavy guards, the military parading around Washington, D.C. for months in the Biden administration. Who is that aimed at? Is that aimed at scaring China or Iran? No, that's aimed at scaring the American people. And of course, the Biden people are explicit about it. The greatest threat to America comes from domestic terrorists. So the opposition is defined, just as the Soviets did, as enemies of the state. Next, Soviet science. The Soviets were famous for letting science be dictated by ideology. Essentially, they would tell you what the science is in advance. Uh, Lysenkoism is the term associated with Soviet science. This is the name of a notorious Soviet scientist, a bogus scientist, not a genuine scientist, but one of the leading, quote, scientists in the Soviet Union. Why? Because he took his cues not from nature, not from experiments, not from hypotheses, but from the ideology of the Soviet state. Persecution of religion, that's going on in America. Can't go to church. So the pretexts may vary, but what you have is, and the Soviets too use pretexts. They use the pretexts of foreign threats. The United States is after us, so we have to do this. Uh, we can't afford to have dissidents. Uh, we have to shut down the churches, and this is what's going on in America today. Disinformation and propaganda. Now, from the Soviet Union, it came from the state. I remember years ago, I would read Pravda and Izvestia, the two Soviet publications of the Soviet state. Well, we don't have Pravda or Izvestia, but we do have the New York Times. We do have the Washington Post. We have CNN. Uh, and those are no less dedicated to ideological disinformation, to the party line, to covering up the crimes of the government that they support. So even though they're, they're nominally private, uh, they take their cues from the state, just as the digital censors do. And finally, the rewriting of history. Um, the Soviets specialized in it. They would go back and rewrite the textbooks. They rewrote the story of the Russian Revolution. They rewrote the story of people who were very involved in the Bolshevik movement, but later had to be wiped out. They had to be made enemies of the state from the beginning. So we're seeing this now in America, the rewriting of history with a view to serving an ideological goal. All of this means that the concept of America as a fully free society. Now, we're free in certain ways. We I would not claim that we've reached Soviet style totalitarianism in America. Uh, by and large, we still have a lot of scope to live freely in America today, but we're moving in the Soviet direction. And this is why the chilling phrase, the Sovietization of America, does to some degree apply to our time and our place right here in the USA. Three former generals have written an article in the Washington Post that is um, very disturbing in what it seems to suggest about where the military is headed. Now, the generals themselves claim to be disturbed, and they're disturbed as they look forward to the 2024 election. Let me uh, summarize a few of the things that they say. They say that if there is a disputed election in 2024, and if the Trumpian candidate, whether it's Trump or someone like Trump, loses, they say um, this would divide the country, and they say it would obviously also divide the military. And they say, quote, in this context, with our military hobbled and divided, U.S. security would be crippled. Any one of our enemies could take advantage by launching an all-out attack. And so the generals say that the lesson of 2020 and of the 
um, violent insurrection. They're on board with all the leftist rhetoric here. Uh, and I also, by the way, uh, point out that when they are talking about the 2024 election, they're assuming that the Trumpian candidate loses. They don't consider the opposite possibility, which is that Trump or a Trumpian candidate wins, and then the left refuses to accept the result. To them, this is that's not really something worth discussing. So there's a one-sidedness baked into this analysis. But nevertheless, what they're saying is that we've learned from 2020 that uh, what we need to do is, they say, make preparations for what could come in 2024. And now let's see what are these preparations that, they're, that they think uh, should be made. They say, quote, the Defense Department should war game the next potential post-election insurrection or coup attempt. It must then conduct a top-down debriefing of its findings and begin putting in place safeguards to prevent breakdowns, not just in the military, but in any agency that works hand-in-hand -hand with the military. Now, what worries me about this is that this appears to be, if you think about it, essentially a recipe for a military coup. These are people who, in the name of protecting democracy, and this is kind of the left's game. The left is always saying, democracy is under attack. Well, How's democracy under attack? Isn't it under attack from the kind of people who don't accept majority verdicts as when they, as recently with the Build Back Better, oh, you know, we only, uh, uh, Manchin won't, re won't, ref won't uh, respect the will of 48 other Democrats. What about the 50 Republicans that are allied with Manchin on this? Or who's the, who are the people who want to pack the courts? Who are the people suppressing civil liberties? Who are the people who want to get rid of the filibuster? So if constitutional democracy, the full arrangement uh, that we have of our political system is in endangered. It would appear to be endangered from the left, not from the right. But in the name of protecting democracy, what these generals are seemingly calling for is a kind of plan for uh, the military to jump in and take over if there is, in fact, a dispute among the two parties or among the two sides. And uh, this, I think, now these are retired generals, they're, uh, but they're, they're people who have had an important role in the military. And I'm wondering if they speak for an increasingly uh, corrupted and woke military, a military that, whose corruption began under Obama going all the way back to 2012. The idea that you take these police agencies and you take the military and you begin to make it partisan. This is kind of a socialist recipe. Make the police agencies of government do the bidding of the left so that when the left um, controls the state, they're able to deploy these agencies in a partisan manner. And so I think that it is uh, of the greatest importance for Republicans to be keeping a very close eye on the military. And if a purge of the Trump Trumpsters and the Patriots is underway, there needs to be a remaking of the military as power changes hands. Of course, what these generals are trying to do is prevent power from changing hands at all. That's why they have the built-in assumption that the Trumpian candidate is going to lose. But all of this, I think, is a sign of, um, of the kind of thinking that we're beginning to see on the left in which uh, even something like a military coup becomes defensible uh, in the name, paradoxically enough, of protecting democracy. Have you ever listened to young people talk about how we need more government-funded programs in this country? And as you're listening to them talk about it, how the government needs to take over, a, let's say, a function that's currently being handled by the private sector, 
And you hear them and you think to yourself, gosh, would the government really be more efficient at this particular task? Or would they be more likely to lose $100 billion without even knowing where it went? Well, it appears that the answer to that question has been settled. Because according to estimates that were just released by the Secret Service, at a minimum, $100 billion have been stolen from COVID relief programs that were set up by the government to help both businesses as well as private citizens who lost their jobs due to the pandemic. Now, to start with, if you're like me, you might be wondering and asking yourself why exactly the Secret Service is the one that's conducting this investigation. Shouldn't they be busy guarding the president? And it turns out that the reason for this, and I didn't know this before looking it up, but the Secret Service, they actually specialize in financial fraud in addition to their better known role of protecting the president. In fact, they recently even appointed a new National Pandemic Fraud Recovery Coordinator in order to oversee and coordinate all of these investigations. And that man, by the way, is named Roy Dotson. Now, in terms of what they've actually found, the details are quite stark. Two days ago, Mr. Dodson, he announced that based on their assessment from data from the Labor Department, as well as from the Small Business Administration, criminals have stolen at a minimum $100 billion in pandemic relief funds, which sounds like a lot, which it is. However, consider that that number only represents about 3% of the total $3.4 trillion that were dispersed by the government. Here's in fact what Mr. Dodson said in a statement. I have been in law enforcement for over 29 years and worked some complex fraud investigations for 20 plus years and have never seen something at this scale. Furthermore, during an interview with CNBC, Mr. Dotson said that the ease of obtaining these funds has made fraud a significantly easier enterprise for criminals to commit. Here's specifically what he said on this front. There's no doubt that the programs were easily accessible online. And so, with that, comes the opportunity for bad actors to get into that mix. It was necessary to try to get these funds out to people that were truly hurting and no fault of anybody. Regardless, though, he also said that at this very moment, the Secret Service has about 900 active investigations that they are looking into in terms of fraud. Here's what he said, quote, It is a wide range because the pot was so big. You not only have your typical transnational organized groups and domestic organized groups, criminal groups, but you have individuals that decided to take advantage of that. So there's many different patterns and investigative intelligence that we developed that I can't really go into. But we've mapped out kind of some of the different characteristics of different groups. Now, this announcement from the Secret Service actually falls very much in line with what the Labor Department released in a statement back in March. Back then, the Labor Department's Inspector General, he released a report in which he said that at least $89 billion of the estimated $896 billion in unemployment program funds could have been, quote, paid improperly with a significant portion attributable to fraud. Now, in terms of actually retrieving this money, well, last week the Justice Department came out and they said that their fraud division, they have already prosecuted 150 defendants in over 95 different criminal cases and that they have seized in total over $75 million in cash, which they claim came from this type of COVID relief fund fraud which sounds all well and good, but consider that $75 million is a far cry from $100 billion. Here's in fact what Mr. Roy Dotson said on this front. Can we stop fraud? Will we? No. But I think we can definitely prosecute those that need to be prosecuted and we can do our best to recover as much fraudulent pandemic funds that we can. Although one thing that Mr. Dotson did not elaborate on is how much it will actually cost the government to both investigate as well as prosecute all of these fraud cases. And frankly, it's exactly stories like these that make me question why I pay taxes at all. Regardless, if you'd like to read more about these fraud investigations that are currently being undertaken by the Secret Service, I'll throw the links to several articles into the description box below this video for you to check out. And all I ask in return is that you take a quick moment, if you haven't already, to smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm.
which, by the way, is a tie-in. Uh, anti- remember the, the anti-Asian hate crimes? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. That was a pandemic, uh, and uh, no one's talking pandemic. about it. It's actually gotten worse. I wonder why. But no one is talking about it. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that today. And uh, more than that, the worst pandemic in the country is uh, federal agents. <laughs> federal informants a lot yeah. of people uh, this is the beauty of being on rumble thank you rumble yeah by the way smash that rumble button if you are well, might as well do this off the top do it um we can't talk about this on youtube january 6th the more i learn about it the more we do research the more i think that it is not entirely but almost entirely a plot from federal agents hmm. stirring the pot a little <laughs> yes. bit yes so we're going yes. to get it. And you know what? You guys can tell me. You guys can comment below. If you, right now, how involved do you think the FBI, these informants are? And, it, 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 and then you tell me if it, your mind changes later on. Uh, but more importantly, at what point, if you have 12 FBI agents in a plot that involves 15 people, is it, it's not a plot. <laughs> <laughs> the non-FBI well, agents, that's well, a subplot. A plot. Well, 12 it's, informants. Yes. A couple of agents. And they're not informants either if they're actually like supplying weapons. So it's like well, they're not informing. That seems they're, a bit, oh, yeah. They have a company card. Oh, like Whitey Bulger. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. They just got a lot to work off, Steve. Yes, exactly. I mean, that didn't happen. No, 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 no. No, 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 no they and, killed him in prison. An MLK something or other. So, yeah, let's go with that. Okay, so there's this guy named Ray Epps, okay? I want to talk about this January 6th. We would never be able to talk about this on YouTube. So, hey, please do share this if you're watching on Rumble. Smash the Rumble button so that people know that we're here. Yeah. Um, there's this guy, Ray Epps, who was involved in the January 6th, most violent day in American history, insurrection. Uh, but what's interesting is I want to go through, I'll give you the, the, the sort of recap. He's one of the guys who was the catalyst breaking down the barricades. He was there. He was encouraging people to go into the Capitol. He was on the most wanted list, and then they completely removed him, and now we have no idea. He's not in custody. He hasn't mm. been arrested. There doesn't seem to be an investigation, but we have people who didn't commit any actual crimes who yeah. have been in custody, in jail, without bail, without trial for uh, almost a year. So let's start with this. Here are a few videos of the man of interest who seems to have a nice glow, a post-pregnancy glow about him, Ray Epps from January 5th and 6th. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! So I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. <laughs> Called it. Okay, folks, grab the word. As soon as the president's done speaking, we go to the Capitol. The Capitol's this direction. Now, this is the first breaking down of uh, the barricade. Wow, starring the guy. Yeah, starring the guy. Yeah. Also, keep in mind, too, I will tell you, there's a lot about this that is confusing because then you have videos of them welcoming people in, yeah. giving them a tour. Now, keep in mind, too, if this guy was the one who broke down the barricade, there were only about 10, 20 people, if I'm not mistaken, because most people were still listening to Donald Trump's speech. Okay, yeah. We've been in the Capitol there, Court of Black Garrett, many yeah. times. It's open. You're yeah. often able to go up to the Capitol. Yeah. So the people who would have... Come up after the speech, probably 30 minutes later, would have seen no barricades, would have seen it open. They're not even trespassing. They just think it's like every other day. Yeah. So it's really pivotal, the people who took down the no trespassing signs and the people who initially planned and charged to go through those. Those are the people who actually committed the crimes. 
this guy is very clearly on camera, Ray Epps. You would think that, and I keep wanting to say Mike Epps in my in, in my head. <laughs> Different Epps. Uh, Omar? He was a person of interest. Omar even, Epps. Even in October, uh, Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky played this video for A.G. Garland and questioned him about this man who you're seeing, not, not in custody, not a person of interest, Ray Epps. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in the history. Uh, have you seen that video or those frames from that just video? just come from an oil bath? So yeah. as I um, <laughs> uh, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes uh, or particular individuals. Look at this the date. Without, I, I was yep. hoping today Still to give you an opportunity to put to rest <laughs> The concerns that people have that there were federal agents or assets of the federal government present on January 5th and January 6th. Can you tell us, without talking about particular incidents or particular videos, how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol, and if any of them did? So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not mm. going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. Now, look, I know there are two sides to every story, but I would think the norm of law is not to have federal agents actually engage in acts of violence. Yeah, and I like how you selectively do that. Uh, if I yeah. had a son, he would look a whole lot like Trayvon Martin, uh, by one of the former presidents yeah. that we had here. Also, mm -hmm. uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. Uh, the campaign yeah. ad from Joe Biden, as this was ongoing, like I, it's just really interesting to me how you choose to kind of pick and, and choose. Yeah, Nick Sandman was a white supremacist. Yeah, who was, you know, true. beating up on some uh, or make. They didn't even say beating up. They said smile. That a was punchable the smile. A punchable smile against a Native American. Uh, you know, a crack toothed completely white Native <laughs> yeah. American. And I mean Stolen that as valor. far as culturally. Stolen valor. This is just, whereas right now they say, hey, what about uh, this guy who's on camera everywhere saying, hey, we want to go, let's storm, let's go into the Capitol and everyone is screaming at him, fed, 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 fed. <laughs> and then you see him the next day yeah. and he's the only one there uh, and he hasn't been charged with anything at this point. Um, were, uh, was that entire mass of people right when they said fed? Hmm. I think so. By the way, when he whispered in that guy's ear, I think he was like, "Hey, do you want to go to Applebee's after this?" Yeah, he was like, "I hear they have a they have a good spinach artichoke dip. Let's two for twenty this." Two bit. for twenty, baby. It's cold That's a red flag. Should have known. It's called an anytizer. <laughs> yes, it is. Ooh, I do. I, I particularly like the anytizer, especially fat people. It's like you mean I can have more food at any time of day? Oh no. That it's so low quality. There's a, a waitress I get handsy with, which is why I got brought back into the game. Yeah, well, I thought she wouldn't be able to tell it was me under the stained glass lamp. You go home! Why, how come the guy on trial is giving, uh, not trial, but speaking to the court, is giving less information than a mobster? Because these uh, mobster. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it is, though. Yeah, He's yeah. like, I'm not going to go ahead and break the law by saying we broke the law. Right. I know Thank you're trying you. to trip me up. Not going to do it. I'm not trying to trip you up. No, that no. guy is right there. People are screaming fed. So just to be clear, Revolver News, they published a few pieces uh, on Ray Epps. Um, he's not been indicted of anything, hmm. even though he was clearly there in the crowd. In other words, you have other people who didn't commit any acts of violence. You have old ladies who didn't commit any acts of violence yeah. who happened to be there. This guy, you know his name. You know what he was saying. You know how he was instigating. You know he was there when the primary violent act of pushing back those barricades was committed. And it was a very limited group of people. He's there, not indicted on anything. Mm. Hmm. And at the very least, he was agitating on video. Right. Mm. Hmm. Yep. Not not only that, but in that picture right there, he's the last person to speak with uh, that, uh, what was his name, Ryan Samsel. I yeah, think we can bring up the overlay. Saying, yeah. One of the first men to breach the fence. 
So you see him on video talking to him. Um, now, Ryan was arrested in January, held without bond uh, until, was it uh, September, was it uh, August 25th? Something like that. I think it was August 25th wow. or September 25th. Oh, that makes sense. And then uh, Epps, the man who you just saw on video, was taken off the FBI's uh, most wanted list from the really? Capitol Riders. What? Just removed. Just randomly? Like, just ghosted. Did he age out? Like what? I have no idea. <laughs> Not considering the fact that they have 90-year-old women in prison. Yeah. I no offense, but it sounds like some fucking commie gobbledygook. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This has been going on for a while. Uh, actually, Ray Epps was uh, uh, confronted by journalists, asked about January 6th. And uh, I don't know uh, if you could look more like a federal agent than a top-of-the-line golf cart as here. With uh, Pure Politics, I've been trying to get a hold of you. We, we met January 5th. We're patriots. We're patriots. Well, do, you, do you remember me from January 6th? I, I understand that, but I can't say anything. Are you still under investigation by the FBI? Are you a federal informant? Is there a reason why the FBI took you off the most wanted list? Are you a federal informant? Ray Epps, are you a federal informant? Why are you gay? That's Ray Epps, alleged federal informant, driving into his property. Now, the, the ties go deeper. He was... Um, President of the Oath Keepers uh -huh. in Arizona. This is a group that yeah. everyone is saying is a terrorist organization. Yeah, so as an eight-person golf cart, so yes. he may be giving tours of yeah. his ranch. Yeah, could be Some doing nice that. property. Uh, he has extensive ties with the Oath Keepers. Uh, there's a guy also named Stuart Rhodes, who um, is a part of the Oath Keepers, and uh, he was active on January 6th. He also has yet to be indicted. Hmm. So it's just interesting that you see some people who are proud boys. They go, look at what they did. Or you, they see some right. old ladies who go through uh, something that's already been breached where they're basically being welcomed in. And they go, look, we're going to arrest them. But these able-bodied males who were on camera inciting the crimes, no interest. That's it. So there's only one of two options, right? Either he was an informant prior or they yes. fixed him. Right. So if they flipped him, don't you tend to flip the like lower fish? Wouldn't you go to the guys on the ground and say who instigated? Yeah. Like we need to flip you to get to the bigger boss. And yeah. he's like, no, no, no. We're just going to flip the guy. We're just going to flip Capone. Yeah. Capone's and, like, what? What are you saying? You're going to give me? All right. I'll write them all out. <laughs> it's like, can you all the people that you told to go into the Capitol? Can you give us those people? Because they're the ones that are the problem. What? Seriously? Yeah. No. It's un well, you would think the thing is, if you flip low level people, they would right away. The easiest yeah. thing to do is flip yeah. low-level people. If there are more people involved in crimes, the more people who are involved, someone talks. But none of them can talk because they don't know. The only actual plot is what you see on... The only people plotting are the people you see on camera who the, in whom the FBI has no interest. Yeah. The other people can't flip on anybody because they, they weren't a part of any plot. They go, oh, look, this is open. Good. I can do a tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if you listen to CNN, you'll hear them talk about people planning a rally. And that's the person you want to go after. The people uh, who planned a peaceful protest because protesting is fine as long as it's for reparations and Nikes. Yeah. But it's not fine when you're having a rally yeah. and the totally fine if you're throwing a well, that is, well look that's something yeah, in the constitution 40 acres and a new pair of dunks mm. it's true <laughs> it's my understanding in the basement of the capitol there are some pretty sweet kicks yep yeah. well they're yeah. just hoarding them and that's what if, what if all the rioters show up like reebok uh, <laughs> all right likes reebok so let me give that. you a couple of other examples here of uh, the fbi not just being informants but actively being involved with inciting uh, plots two of the informants i'm saying this using this term loosely. Yeah. They were the ones who drove the Liberty City 7 hoax. Like we've said, that's the biggest right. uh, terrorism plot thwarting since 9-11. There was an informant uh, in the room with two of the 9-11 hijackers and 12, yeah, keep in mind, 12 
FBI informants and or agents. We don't know because we'll never know. Uh, we're involved with the kidnapping of Governor Whitmer plot. <laughs> 12. So that's what? 12 out of what? the 27. Oh, there was 27? Or No, I'm sorry. 20, 20. I think it was 25 maybe. Oh, okay. It was, it was almost half. Yeah. It was 12 <laughs> who were doing it. And then there was another like 12 to 13 who were just drinking Stroh's. Yeah, they were like, okay. Yeah. Like, Those guys were like, I, don't, I just don't like her. I didn't want to kidnap her, man. No, no, no. We should totally kidnap her. I, yeah. I don't think we should. Well, uh, these 12 guys say we should. So yeah. it's like majority rule almost, right? We got rope. And I'm, you guys, the 12 informants are just wearing Make America Great hats. <laughs> Look, let's make America great by kidnapping her. Like, I, everyone else is like, I don't know where we're going to put her. She can't stay in my house. No, I don't like her. Uh, oh. Boy, we didn't think this through. One guy's like, I'll keep her. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, that was the that was one of the FBI. Guys. Sure, already looks like my collection of dolls. Yes, oh. <laughs> you'll be my little porcelain governor. That frozen Botox face is perfect. So the last color of a urinal. Yeah. <laughs> next, <laughs> next protest, someone's just wearing a Governor Whitmer skin suit. Like, what? <laughs> you can just see the outline of an FBI badge yeah. through the chest. You're like, oh gosh, it's the FBI hey. wearing another skin suit. Again? Hey, oh. did you bring her? And the guy's like, uh, kind of. Did I? Did I? Uh, did I mess up again? In a matter of speaking. I love how you kill. Old so let me go through this, Governor uh, Whitmer kidnapping, <laughs> because people in the media tried to insinuate us there because right. we did a protest. Now keep in mind, uh, there at the Capitol, which is funny because when we did it, the media said, "Oh, there were only 300 people there. There were several thousand people there." Yeah. And I don't say that to say they were wrong about how many people. They tried to downplay it, and we were at the. You can go watch it live. We're of course telling everyone to peacefully request, use an FOIA request to get the actual numbers of deaths in old folks' homes. Yeah. Then, when it was discovered that this actually was making a political difference, they tried to say, "Oh, this might have inspired people," and they tried to now tie the huge rally, which we thought was only 300 people, to the kidnapping of Whitmer. And then finally, they <laughs> said, uh, "You know what?" Uh, uh, let's just give up on this, and uh, let's just stick with our informants, okay? It's a bunch of guys from Toledo. Yay, informants. Our bad. So BuzzFeed published a news article highlighting some of uh, the challenges facing the prosecution now with the Governor Whitmer kidnappers, which you would think there should be no difficulties. No. It's like, well, all these people try to kidnap the governor, and then you just arrest them. Yeah, we had 12 people in the room that should be able to triangulate right. a little bit. Well, one FBI agent uh, involved with the kidnap, he was then fired for beating his wife uh, oh. after a swingers party. Oh, gee. Wow. Which is really weird because it was a swingers party. You think he'd be beating someone else's wife. <laughs> right. Well, he got rejected, so. Why go to a swingers party if you're just going to go back to hit the same broad? Well, I think he thought it meant swinging his fist. Yes, yes. The swing wildly party. <laughs> I'm going to a windmill party. What a weird relationship. Another agent was accused of perjury, but probably won't be prosecuted, just like the CIA with all those child rapists. A state prosecutor in the case was reassigned due to an audit of his past use of informants. One of the most crucial informants, a guy named Stephen Rob, uh, Robson. Is it Robson or is it yeah. Hobson? I don't know how to pronounce that in Brazilian. Hobson! Uh, has a rap sheet including fraud, assault, sex with a minor. Can't get away from these sex wow. with minors with these uh, intelligence agencies. He has also been an informant since the 1980s. Well, there's nothing to guarantee job security with the FBI or CIA like being a child sex offender. You got like yeah. the 40-year pin? Yeah. Being an informant? It's like they have like a Roth IRA for how many kids you uh, molest. Mm -hmm. Jeez. For every kid you molest, we'll, we'll match it. It'll double every seven years. Yes. Now, most recently, Robeson worked with the FBI to uh, uh. was identifying violent extremists online, mm. meaning he actually urged people to attend gun rallies and commit violent acts against elected officials. Look, there's a big difference between spying, you know, Donnie Brasco putting on a wire and you're the one actually committing the crime. 
It would be like if Johnny Depp, instead of having a wife, he was the one who killed Al Pacino and Donnie Brasco. Right. I, I have a question. I'm not a lawyer, but you're not supposed to actually get someone to commit a crime, right? It's usually what we call <laughs> illegal. Uh, is that entrapment? Is that what they call that? Or I don't know, but uh, I love Catherine Zeta-Jones going through those whoo. laser trip wires. Well, mm-hmm. hot stuff. Even Sean, even old Sean Connor, like, look at the leather patch. You're talking Ocean's Eight. <laughs> yes, my favorite movie. Anybody seen that? No, no, oh, that Aquafina. Yes, Ooh. she is a talent. So yeah, nobody's gonna buy dish. that movie. Like eight women getting along. Yeah. <laughs> First half of it is just them syncing up. Yeah, just talking <laughs> shit behind each other's backs. <laughs> She thinks she's a safe cracker, but she can't say crack safe. I was actually the safe cracker. No, no, no. Yeah, whatever. Let her do the gymnastics. She's only fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she was a great gymnast four years ago, and she knows it, but no one wants to say it. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it because I'm, I'm ocean six. I'm going to tell eight. Don't say oh, it. I wish I had a rounder face. I could wear my hair like yours. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. It's very cutting. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. No offense, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no offense. They wouldn't make it work because one of them would be gossiping with the guard. Okay, I shouldn't even be saying this, but she actually robbed the last casino, and the problem is she actually made out with somebody who wasn't her husband at that casino over there. You know, I'm serious. It's Caesar's Palace, and the guard's just like, okay, and uh, they're going to hit us at 8 p.m.? <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> Appreciate it. So the FBI indicted this guy uh, in March on uh, gun charges. Since as a felon, he cannot use or own a gun. Uh, No idea when they are going to confiscate his child sex offending penis. He only got two years probation and a $100 fine. And just a reminder, this plot with Governor Whitmer included um, 14 private citizens who have been charged, Mm -hmm. 12 FBI informants, Uh. and at least two FBI agents. So 14 and 14. That's not. A, that's that's like, a gang fight. That's like fifty percent. By the by the way, if you're not supposed to have a gun, what's the hundred dollars for? What yeah, did you know. like? Ah, we need a tip. Yeah, think <laughs> about that. Like just, At that point, why find anything? It's just like yeah, it's a hundred bucks. Oh really? That's it? <laughs> did you miss a zero? I've had parking tickets less than a hundred dollars. Well, more. That's more. What you mean? <laughs> yeah, I meant to say more. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly had parking tickets that are less, but I've also had them that are more. But I shouldn't yeah, yeah, double yeah. park in the handicap space. Yeah. That's well, I true. guess the only person who got a better deal on a gun charge would be uh, uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Yes. Right? So he just got nothing. Yeah. Well, he likes <laughs> yeah. to use the expectant mother parking spaces like skis. He yeah. goes in and uses both of them. Oh. Yeah. Oh, do they have a lot of expectant mothers uh, outside of crack houses? Well, I don't know. Not when he's through with them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Parmesan house? Yes. Uh, Parmesan. Yes. Yeah. Parmesan. He went to the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I would like the entire left side of the menu and a pipe. All right. Why is this a slice? By the way, when do you empty the trash? Because I threw my Smith & Wesson back there, and I just want to make sure that... uh, (laughs) Speaking of trash, hi, I'm Hunter. Yes. Hi, by the way, is that a school across the street? Oh. Mm. Oh, good. Good place as any. Well, you know what? I need to throw out my gun, and I'm looking for a date. Two birds with one stone. Hey, great school. As it appears, I have to move 20 feet to another table. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd still like a view. Yeah. Do you have one he's of those? In one of those re- he's in a revolving restaurant that happens to be near a grade school, so yeah. he just has to keep walking on it like a reverse <laughs> treadmill. Well, he just stares with opera glasses out the window. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I ran into your table. Oh. Oh. Opera glasses. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
one of those little fans. So you guys can let me know your thoughts on the uh, on the uh, FBI informants here. And uh, I just, I really, the more I learn about January sixth. I remember I was really pissed when I saw them sitting there at Nancy Pelosi's desk. I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, those assets should be arrested. But the more I learn, the less I believe that it's at all what we've been told. No. no, absolutely. And it's definitely not something that you call the worst attack in history on democracy. And it's definitely something where you don't gloss over a cop shooting a woman climbing through a window in a hallway when he could have walked up and just been like, boop. Yes. <laughs> knocked her right back through the window. Like, come on, this this these people had been standing there for a while, and Ashley Babbitt gets shot, and nobody gets investigated. Right? Cops shoot criminals that pull guns on them, and you plaster them across the news mm-hmm. after they've been in a fight with them and almost beaten up and had their gun taken away, and you get pissed off for that. But this, you're just like, ah, that's fine. Yeah, because you don't you don't like our our, our system of government that we want to put in place. Also, we can't call it the most violent attack on democracy because we don't want to let those Japs off the hook with Pearl Harbor. No. Right now, they think they're getting away scot-free. No. It's not even the right. most violent attack on the building. Look, look, we fought we were... We fought, we, <laughs> this no, is I'm the doing the wrong building. Asian. We thought we were awaking yeah. a sleeping giant. Thank sleeping. You. But the strategy is just a re-roll for 65 years. <laughs> then the 12 people will attack a capital. Forget <laughs> everything. <laughs> totally, I don't know. <laughs> totally fine. That was another one where no end game. Pearl Harbor? No, no, Pearl Harbor had Yeah, one. Pearl Harbor had uh, I meant, yeah, That uh, one was I meant pretty the, obvious. The insurrection. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I didn't mean Quote, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 like, you no, no, dick. No. What? <laughs> Pearl Harbor had no end game? Yeah, it did. But you know what, though? That's not even far off. When, when uh, Tom Hanks was on uh, MSNBC, I think it was Morning Joe, where he said yeah. that we were led into World War II by, uh, by jingoism and fear. <laughs> so they're going, What? No one around him just said, you probably shouldn't say something that stupid on national television, and then nobody else picked it up. That's crazy. Yeah, but you're right. There was no endgame. What are they going to do on January 6th? That's what I mean. There's no reason. And it's also one thing to go, okay, they should be arrested, punished somehow, fine, whatever. There's a difference between that and held for nine months while you have a revolving door for actual killers. Right. Mm -hmm. And while the CIA protects actual self-admitted child sex offenders because they don't want this is what happens right rules for me not for thee they say well we don't want to re- we don't want to reveal our sources yeah. well we don't want our uh, informants to be revealed so we have to keep this private look they they want you to investigate all of the texts and by the way i think it's schiff who may have uh, may have actually fabricated some of the texts we're learning about this now Ooh. but they want you all to read everything in donald trump's ipad on his phone even though hillary clinton of course destroyed these servers and yeah. so we'll never Bleach. know what happened there but they don't actually want to allow an investigation into january 6th think about this all i want fine if you want to go through donald trump's phone records great if you're revealing uh you're revealing brett bear's text to donald trump or whoever the hell it is fine how about any footage from inside the capitol there's hundreds there's probably there's thousands of hours admittedly and they're keeping it sealed why reveal only some information and not the rest it doesn't make any sense who are you trying to protect the insurrectionists oh no wait that's what you mean. You can't reveal yeah. your sources. Mm. The insurrectionists might be another Ray Epps, and consistently we just see them drop off the most wanted list, like Ed Rooney's attendance computer. <laughs> <laughs> so or his real computer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, uh, okay, as we move on here, we do have an announcement to make. Not yeah. an announcement, but, uh, um, well, I'll lead this, and it's... Yeah. 